Welcome to episode eight of the Work Redefined podcast, where we believe your employees are your company's most valuable asset. We are all navigating uncharted waters and need to bridge the generational gap. For the first time in history, there are now five generations in the workforce who all view the world differently. Our goal is to help leaders look at work through a new lens so they can elevate their business and recruit and retain their talent. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Carrie Haugen. Carrie is the campus recruitment manager at Ide Bailey, where she works to develop their campus recruitment strategy, as well as work with their 44 offices to develop goals as a firm to work towards. Carrie graduated from NDSU with a bachelor's degree in human resource management, and she loves reading, going on walks at local parks, spending time with her family and friends, and she's obsessed with anything Christmas. Welcome, Carrie. I am so excited to have you here. Uh, for everyone listening, Carrie is one of my great friends, and she is just so awesome. She's going to bring so many great insights to us today. And she works at Ide Bailey. She's worked there for a while. She has some experience in campus recruitment, which is something I know recruiting is something we are all struggling with. Everybody hates recruiting, it's not fun. <laughs> There's no one to work right now. So, Carrie, why don't you first, before we dive into this, big subject of everything, recruiting, everything about what you do. I want you to tell us first more about yourself. We said you worked at Ivy League, but maybe just tell us more about what you do there and what your everyday looks like. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Grace. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Um, I've loved listening. So yeah, um, so as you mentioned, I work at Ivy League. We're a top 25 CPA and business advisory firm. Um, our headquarters are here in Fargo, so I'm excited um, that I get to work in this great community. Um, as campus recruitment manager, my day-to-day honestly just changes every single day, um, but it's most of my role is focused on a couple of different buckets. Um, so I have one main bucket of getting to work with our awesome team of other campus recruiters, um, and we're each assigned a few offices across our firm that we work with um, for their campus recruitment efforts. So part of my role is helping our campus recruiters in building their strategies out for their office, helping lead that discussion, helping them come up with creative solutions. Because as you mentioned, um, we're definitely seeing a change in just the talent that's available. Um, And so trying to get creative in how we can do things. Beyond that, um, I get to work with a couple of our offices, Fargo being one of them. And so in, in that part of my role, it's really working on the hiring efforts for that office, um, which goes so much more beyond posting a job, as I'm sure you know, um, in the recruiting space these days, especially in campus, that comes with event planning, talking to students, building relationships, um, coming up with, again, as many creative solutions as we possibly can, as well as building relationships with some of our local universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, it's just kind of all the, the day-to-day you know, programming and things across the firm in our job. We do um, a couple of big events every single year. And so on our side of that, um, it's coming up with the programming for those events so that our offices can carry them out, um, hopefully as successfully as possible. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I know you have a fun job because, I mean, me being young and just in college right now, I think. I love getting to work with other college students. And I mean, you're newly into the workforce too. And so when it comes to the whole, cause you had experience 
actually doing the recruiting at one point and not being, you know, managing your team, but actually doing the recruiting. And do you still do some, you it's still do that in this community? Part of my okay. Role. Yeah, it's, it's not as much as I need to focus on now that I have all the other things, mm-hmm. but there is still part of my job, which I, I feel like will always be there because I, I really do enjoy it. As you mm-hmm. said, working with college students is, is so fun. Um, You know, I only graduated three years ago, so mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm still young. Um, maybe not as I used to be, but it, it's so fun to still be involved and, and just see the students that are coming up and getting to interact with them and, and help them find their first career. Well, I mean, we could talk a little bit more, but I kind of just want to get right into it and get yeah, into the nitty gritty because this is what people want to know, what I want to know. So what's, like we said at the beginning, everyone's struggling to find help. And so what are you doing or what have you seen? One is the biggest challenge in recruiting right now. And what are you doing? You maybe talk more about like, what are you doing personally? Like, what is that? Um, you said helping to lead the discussion and helping the other recruiters lead the discussion with students. What are you guys talking about? How are you getting people to come? Yeah, well, the first thing, as you mentioned, the, the biggest challenge. I, I wish we could all just nail it down to one thing. Um, but if I had to pick one, I would say probably retention. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's still plenty of people out there, right? There's still, there may be dwindling numbers in certain mm-hmm. industries of people not cho- choosing certain majors in college or things like that, but there's still plenty of people in this world. Mm-hmm. I think what's happening is the retention is because people have options, so mm-hmm. many more options than they've ever had before. And when you're an employee that's looking for a job, that's kind of exciting, knowing that you have the power to make the choice of where you want to work. And it's no longer just a, you know, I've, I've got one or two options. It's a, I've got a whole book of options and maybe I want to work from home or maybe I want to work in the office. And there's going to be jobs on both sides of that spectrum or jobs that give you the option to decide if you want to be in the office every single day, or maybe it's a couple days a week. And so I think what employers are really struggling with now is how do we deal with everyone wanting different things? Because as a company, I would love to satisfy every single person's needs, mm-hmm. but when you're, you know, a small company or a big company, I mean, I Bailey's got almost 3,000 employees, and so when you've got 3,000 employees that are all wanting different things, and knowing that as an employer, you have to you have to meet those needs as best as you possibly can, or they're going to go someplace where they feel like those needs are being met. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a, a big challenge for us, especially in the HR space. It's it's not something that I, I think we've seen in recent years of this shift of, of people are are no longer going to settle and mm-hmm. and honestly i think if we think about it maybe that's a good thing coming out of the pandemic is people are really putting themselves first and i, mm-hmm. I genuinely think that that's a good thing because i want people to be happy in their jobs i want them to feel like they're being successful but it, it does put a challenge on the employer to figure out how do we satisfy all of those needs in order to make them feel happy and successful in their job? Um, me personally, when we have those conversations, I I always go back to relationships. I think at the heart of everything is the relationship with the person. Um, so my myself personally with my team, it's trying to be as transparent as possible and having open dialogue with one another of what is it that you enjoy? What don't you enjoy? And if it's things that they don't enjoy, I 
I will do everything in my power to help them either change that or figure out a way that we can do it differently that maybe is more enjoyable to them. Um, because obviously there's parts of a job that you're, you're probably not gonna like, and those things aren't gonna go away. I, I don't necessarily have the power to just wave a wand and, and make them disappear. But if there's things that I can be doing as their manager to help them feel like they can be successful in this company, or maybe it's even just having the space to talk about things and feel like they're being heard, um, and that's how I, I try to approach it with my team. But then when we talk to our offices, I think the first thing is just recognizing that this is changing. You know, a lot of the people that I'm, I'm thankful to work with have been in their career for 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. Mm -hmm. And now when they start to work with me to recruit college students, it is such a change from what they did when they were in college and what we've done the last 10 years in recruiting. And so I think those conversations that we have to have internally is this is this is different. And what does that mean for us as a company? What are we going to offer to them to make them know that they have options here, that they have the choice to, to lead their career the way that they want to go, that they can find their home here rather than someplace else? Because at the end of the day, I think that's, what recruiting is, right? It's helping them find their home. I, I love that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I, I really think, again, it comes back to that relationship and even forming that relationship with a candidate. Um, because I think when you are when you have options, right, you're, you're more likely to lean towards mm -hmm. the option where you feel that connection versus maybe someone that you've talked to once on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, so if you've built that connection up, especially at that college student level, when they're maybe even trying to figure out what they want to do with their career. Mm -hmm. They're they're much more likely to be like, wow, I am really connected to this person. So mm -hmm. that's maybe the direction I'm gonna go. So I have two questions. First, to kind of back up to what you were saying about, you know, just asking them, you know, what do you want? Like what so it just you're in the HR space. So mm -hmm. it's it's common for you to people expect you to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So how are you training the other managers that aren't in HR? Are they asking their employees those same questions? Or what is I Bailey or maybe just in your advice? Yeah, like how do we get those managers to ask the, their employees those questions if they're not in HR? Great question. Um, it's something we definitely talk about, you know, when you are an HR person, not every HR person, but the majority of us are, are genuinely curious people. Yeah. Um, so we want to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. I, I want to get to know my team. Mm -hmm. And I think the people that maybe aren't as curious or questionable, it's not that they don't want to know their teams. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's not as natural for them to ask those questions. And I, I think that's honestly where you start is identifying that with someone. Identifying that that isn't maybe their thought process. Um, hey, if you know someone brings an issue, okay, you know, I hear you're struggling with this. Have you have you asked these questions? And honestly, with some of those people, it's as simple as providing them a guide of mm -hmm. different questions. And our at I Bailey, we have a training, uh, a learning and development department, and they do a fantastic job of providing resources for managers on how to have tough conversations, how to check in with your, you know. Um, team members, how to have a productive one-on-one -on -one meeting. Because mm -hmm. again, I'm in HR, like I can sit in a meeting for an hour and, and learn everything I need to know because I'm going to ask those questions. And then there's other people in the firm that, that don't even have the one-on-one -on -one meetings because mm -hmm. it, it has never occurred to them that I should be checking in with my people once mm -hmm. a week or, you know, oh, I don't maybe see them as often anymore. So yeah. I should probably check in on them more often. 
And so sometimes when it's people that are, it, it just doesn't come naturally. I've found that making it as black and white as possible mm-hmm. and saying, here are a list of questions that you can ask. Yeah. And even in the recruitment process, I think that's really helpful mm-hmm. because I always use the example. If I go to a career fair or a networking event at a college, I can walk into that room, find a student, and we may have nothing in common, mm-hmm. but I can have a good 20 minute conversation with that student because I can ask questions over and over mm-hmm. again. I love it. I love learning that stuff about people. If someone is more introverted or maybe that just doesn't come naturally where it, they take some time to open up to a person. When I'm coaching my staff, I'm going to an event. That's exactly what I say. Here's a list of questions that if you get stuck, refer back to this. Here are some things that you can ask a student to learn about their classes or their major, or, you know, maybe it's an awkward silence because they don't know what to ask either. Mm-hmm. Ask about the weather, ask about sports. Mm-hmm. What do they do this weekend? You know, and, and that doesn't come naturally to everyone. So honestly, yeah. just putting it as black and white and then reminding them over and over again, mm-hmm. when you check in with them, hey, have you talked to your people? How are things going? You know, what have you guys mm-hmm. been talking about lately? And putting up some of those reminders so that it stays top of their mind. Yeah. No, I love the whole black and white thing because it can, we can make, we, have a te- we as anybody in the world has a tendency to make things a lot more confusing and a lot harder than it needs oh, to be. Yeah. So it's almost a <laughs> concept of, you know, don't work so hard. Like it's so easy. So, you know, it's so important for me for companies and like leaders listening to this to think about how can you help your team simplify absolutely everything you do create a one handout that says here are some tips on having a hard conversation here are some tips when you're going into that conversation Mm -hmm. with that in that employee or a new employee here are some things you maybe should ask them because yeah Mm -hmm. some people that's just not natural and that's okay but it's all about and then you kind of mentioned something earlier about it's just about recognizing that people are different and not everyone is the same Mm -hmm. and not everyone's like you and that's some that's hard it's hard for me to recognize like oh but no, I I think you had some really great points there. So, okay. So when it comes to having those conversations, but that's to get people in the door. Now I think mm-hmm. what I want to know, Carrie, yeah. is where the heck are you finding your people? <laughs> where, yeah, students, like, what are you doing when you're recruiting these students? Where are you going? Where, where are you posting things? What, mm-hmm. ch- walk me through that and help us help everyone figure this out. I wish I had all the answers, so I'll do my best. Um, so I think it starts with, you start with the job posting, right? That's mm-hmm. how you get your candidates um, at the end of the day is the job posting. So we put it on our, our external career site, but then from there, every school at, at, the, at the college level, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably very different for experienced mm-hmm. candidates. There's lots of different sort, like sources out there for mm-hmm. people that have experience. But at the college level, almost every university has some sort of job posting mm-hmm. um, that they have for students to go to. Mm-hmm. And that is the best way because a student at that age is probably not going to like a, I want to work for Ivy League. I mean, if they do, that's awesome. I yeah. love when students want to work for us, but they might not even know what companies they want to work for. So they aren't necessarily going to our website to find mm-hmm. information. They're probably using the resource that their school provides them to gather that information. Mm-hmm. And then once they see our job posting, they might go to our page to figure out more about us and see if maybe we're a good fit. Mm-hmm. But I think it really starts with that job posting. Mm-hmm. And then from there, there's lots of different tools of how you get your word out. Mm-hmm. I, again, back to the relationships, mm-hmm. I think it starts with at the college level, forming relationships within the college, career centers, professors. I'm a big advocate that the better that we can partner with the college, 
the more likely a student is to come away. Mm -hmm. um, again, not now, even maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where, you know, again, if I've connected with the Career Center and I know who they are and they know who I am and we've done lots of events together and we've mm -hmm. built up that trust with one another, they are so much more likely to suggest to an accounting student Hey, have you heard of iBailey? They've got this event going on, or their jobs are posted. Um, beyond that, with a professor, again, professors are the direct contact yeah. to a college student. And they're the ones where if we could tell a professor, hey, we've got this opportunity, we'd love for your students to come and apply. If we can connect with them and build that relationship up with them, again, mm -hmm. in their class, they might be much more likely to recommend to their entire class of accounting majors, hey guys, I really got this opportunity. I think you should all look into it. And when we build that relationship up, the approach that I, I like to take is being a resource for that school. Again, we want to get their students. I, I think that's the end goal. But really the way of doing that is not just trying to poach their students and just go and only focus on us, us, us. I think we have to focus on them. And we're a big accounting firm. How can we help you as accounting teachers give information to your students, give resources to your students so that your students know what kind of career path they're going into. Mm -hmm. Career centers, of course, we want to hire their students, but can I help with resume reviews? Can I do mock interviews with students? How can I get in front of students to get our name out there, but also just be a resource beyond just the job posting? Um, well, I think that's even such a good point to make, and even when you're not recruiting, you know, the entry-level positions, when you're recruiting deeper into, like, how can you be a resource to the community? Mm -hmm. yeah, and absolutely. we're like thinking bigger than the university, even at this point is like, when you're searching, is it getting your name out there? Okay, that's one thing, but how can you be a resource and helpful and get your name out there in ways, in ways that maybe aren't even monetary? You don't think about putting money, just like being in the community and showing people like giving your free resources, giving yeah. of your time, that will just show, I think, yeah, that's such a good point, just being, Instead of thinking, what can I get from you? Ask thinking about what can companies give to the community or give to the university. Yeah, and even at the high school level, something we talk about a lot is obviously since my role is hiring college students mm -hmm. majority of the time, I I think one step further. Um, where do you get college students? High schools. And when you start to work with high schools and talk to high school teachers, and again, try to be a resource to them. Mm -hmm. um, we've got lots of cool things at our firm. Like, how can I help you educate your students and take off some of that burden from you? Because mm -hmm. at that age, they're just even in the career exploration stage. They don't know what they want to do yet. And if I can help a student learn about a career because they can talk to one of our people or even HR, I love talking mm -hmm. to high school students and saying like, HR is a thousand buckets of things. Like you are an outgoing person and you love talking to people here's all the options that you have and i don't think at the high school level i mean i think schools do a really great job of getting students exposed mm -hmm. now but again if if they can talk directly to a professional mm -hmm. that's going to be so much more helpful to them and you're so right you know the further you get up in, in the process being a resource to the community is so important and i really puts a big emphasis on that through our volunteerism and our community giving charitable donations, all that sort of thing. But we we don't do it to get candidates, right? Mm -hmm. we, we recognize that when we've got an office of 300 people, that's a substantial amount here in Fargo. Mm -hmm. And so if all of our 300 people volunteer even for eight hours, um, how much time yeah. are they giving back to our community? How many organizations are being helped because of that? Mm -hmm. And that's not a 
we're going to go volunteer so that the people see that in the news and then come work for us. We do it because we recognize the, the impact you can have. And that to me is so much more important than just putting a job posting out there and trying to sell someone on something that doesn't actually exist. Well, these are great points. I think everyone's at the point where what now? Mm-hmm. And I think we've tried, everyone's tried everything when it comes to trying to find people. And it's just like, oh, yeah. we want someone that can walk to come in my door and do work. You know what I mean? But I think the idea that, okay, what's next? It's to let's just build up our companies and make them stand, like, how can we stand, stand out in the community, but also how can we give back? Because, you know, it's a, kind of like the saying, you know, what goes around comes around, right? Yeah. It's kind of a good thing, but what goes around, if you give, 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 but like, it's going to come back around. You're going to have people who are, want to work for you and are passionate about it. And know? I think when you say, like, what, what's next, I think part of that, yes, is focusing out on the community and things, but also, like, using that time to really look inwardly, too, and look at, I think I really, you know, kind of even recognize that this is a time for us to really reevaluate and recognize, like, are there things that needed to change? Because, again, we haven't really seen this type of change in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's a way for us to really reevaluate. and our internal campus team, that's something we've been having big discussions about is what parts of our process aren't fast enough? What do we need to do better so that candidates get through our process quicker so that they're not waiting on us? Mm -hmm. What are we doing at our schools to make sure that we are still present and communicating Mm -hmm. and building those relationships? What about our benefits? What things are we offering to candidates? Does that need, you know, a Mm reevaluation? And I think it's so important for companies now as, as part of that what next mm-hmm. look inwardly and start to think about what what our what is our company actually mm-hmm. and what are the things that we have some room to improve upon what things do we really do well on mm-hmm. and then find that balance and and hopefully you know over time more candidates will come in the door but you'll have some of those things already the, the kinks worked out because you've taken that time to look mm-hmm. inwardly mm-hmm. when you bring up a good point when it comes to the things you're doing, and I, I don't know if you've heard, I'm guessing you've heard of the term, the great resignation, and how mm-hmm. I just heard a statistic that in September, it was like 4.4 million people left the workforce in September, and so what is I Bailey doing um, internally, when you're talking about looking inward, what are they doing, like, when it comes to, like, your programs, I know you have, you have things like the career conversations, um, your exchange program, or your lifestyle spending account, like, tell me more about what you're doing to keep people because like we talked about at the beginning, retention now, mm-hmm. yeah, we need to recruit, we need to recruit, everyone's gonna recruit, but what are we doing to keep them now because people will want to leave? Yeah, career conversations are one of my favorite things that I really has. Um, I've listened to some of your guys' earlier podcasts and you were talking about you know the, the annual review and mm-hmm. wanting to get rid of the annual review. And I think I really, with our career conversation program, what that is, is twice a year, you, get to sit down with someone that's appointed as your career advisor. So now being a manager, I'm the career advisor for my team below me. And that means that twice a year, we have a set time where we sit down to talk about just work, life, anything really. But with that career conversation, it's the understanding that those two times a year are there to give us some set time to talk about your goals, mm-hmm. but that that's not the only expectation we have. As a career advisor, it's my it's my responsibility to have those ongoing conversations mm-hmm. with my team 
to talk about what I can do for them. And so we do it through weekly check-ins. And so every week I'm talking to my, my people once, you know, for half an hour, checking yeah. in with them. How are things going? What are you working on right now? What are some challenges? But then that career conversation allows us that time to go one step deeper and talk about what are those long-term goals that you've got in mind. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's, you know, when I've had my career conversations before I became a manager, it was, I would like to be a manager someday. So what does that look like? Or here's the certificate that I want to go after. You know, how can mm -hmm. I really support me in that? And so it's, it's that time where we get to really nail down some of those things, focus in on more of the Again, what are you really enjoying? Mm -hmm. we, we talk once a week, but let's go one step further than that. Because I think when you talk once a week, a lot of the times it gets to be the, here's what I'm working on right now. Here's maybe a challenge I, I face this week. And then when we have those career conversations, it's, it's a whole bigger, mm -hmm. deeper conversation around your career, where you want to mm -hmm. go with your career. But then it, it's at least, again, two times a year that that is set and mm -hmm. everyone has to do it. We we get emails if we don't. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a reminder there that, that your career is important. Um, so again, one of my favorite things, just because I love talking about mm -hmm. career growth and, and how we can get people mm -hmm. to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. um, and what a simple thing. Yeah, it, right? It, it's so yeah. simple to just, even twice a year. I mean, yeah. hopefully people are talking to other people more mm -hmm. than that, but mm -hmm. I just think it's such a good reminder. And I, I look forward to my, I talk to my manager all the time. And I still love sitting down and having an intentional conversation. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's about work. Sometimes it's not. Maybe there's things in your personal life that you just need time to talk yeah. about. But that's one thing that I, I think we make sure that we we do because we mm -hmm. want people to know that career growth is important to us. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the lifestyle spending account, mm -hmm. which uh, is one of my, another one of my favorite benefits. Um, so up until May of this year, um, we had just a wellness benefit and wellness that meant we could spend money on anything like physically wellness related. So maybe a gym membership mm -hmm. or um, like a race entry fee or whatever mm -hmm. was going to help you with your physical health. And then we started to reconsider kind of within the last couple of years that health and wellness is so much more than just physical. And I, and I know we've all, that's another hot topic in yeah. the industry right now. Um, but it is, it's so much more than that. I think when you think of wellness, you know, I've really taken the approach that like wellness means your financial wellness, your mental wellness, your career wellness, mm -hmm. all the things. And, and what can you use that money for to help you in just any wellness related mm -hmm. area? And so we changed it to being a lifestyle spending account where now people can use that money in any regard. I mean, I have used mine on a kayak because I really wanted to go kayaking this summer, but other people can spend it on like a student loan payment, or maybe they're really, really busy and they want a cleaning lady because they don't have a time. Um, and so they, they spend their money on their cleaning person. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, you know, even someone that travels quite a bit using it for TSA pre-check so that they can mm -hmm. take that time away. I'm waiting in super long lines mm -hmm. at TSA. Um, it, the, there's a whole list of things that it covers. And I think it's important that that benefits there for our people mm -hmm. so that, you know, wellness related things are not always, you know, not always mm -hmm. cheap. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to have that just as an extra benefit mm -hmm. that's added to us and, and helps us see that I really, really does care about our wellness. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that's a big part of who you are as a person. And if you're not feeling mentally well, physically well, mm -hmm. all the wellness um, at work, you're probably not going to be giving 100% mm -hmm. because you've got 20 other things in the back of your yeah. mind. So 
this is great and that's amazing that you guys can do this but i don't know if you have any ideas like you guys are obviously a big company you have the budget to be able to do this what yeah. about um our smaller companies who yeah what what can we do to help men and i, I don't want to just like mental health but yeah like your yeah. full wellness you know wellness is here includes everything like you said it's mm -hmm. not just your physical health it's everything so how what advice or ideas do you have for smaller companies yeah for smaller companies that maybe not have that budget i think honestly being able to provide just resources i think of let's think of like physical wellness to mm -hmm. start physical wellness yeah you might not be able to provide a gym membership reimbursement because mm -hmm. gym memberships are kind of expensive mm -hmm. you might not be able to pay for xyz for every employee mm -hmm. but can you every friday over lunch say hey we're gonna go for a walk or mm -hmm. maybe it's you know you have a lot of team meetings over zoom and we all know that we sit on zoom calls mm -hmm. a lot during the day so maybe it's okay at the beginning of every zoom call we're all gonna stand up and we're gonna do some stretches um those are all little things, but it, it shows that you are, are trying to make the move towards physical wellness. Mm -hmm. Think of mental wellness. You know, if there's, if you don't have the resources in order to offer, you know, an employee mm -hmm. assistance program, can you at least have a booklet in your office of all the different counseling services in the area so that if someone were to need that resource, they don't have to go to Google to find that. They've got a list because I think, again, like if someone is feeling anxious or depressed or stressed mm -hmm. and needs that resource, it's it's an extra barrier for them to have to go and search for that themselves. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that resource and you've made it known to all of your employees that here is that resource, I mean, maybe you can house it online somewhere mm -hmm. so that they can access it and say, you know, we, we support you. Here are resources for you available in our community. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's even, you know, phone numbers for them to call, like the crisis helpline or some of the different things that are out there already for people. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I really did is get everyone a subscription to the Calm app. Again, mm -hmm. I, I wish mm -hmm. I knew numbers off the top of my head, yes. I don't, but even looking into other apps that we can partner with, a lot of mm -hmm. apps do business partnerships um, so that our people have at least something um, yeah, that they can. Yeah, that's a good point. I love that idea of a business partnership. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's expensive, like you said, to do all these things, but when it, what can, these little simple things. And I love that you yeah. said the, the Calm app and just getting, that's so simple, but you make the resource yeah. available. Exactly. And mm -hmm. if you don't ask too much about financial burden, because we understand that for some companies it might be, there are tons of free challenges on like Pinterest or Google, mm -hmm. where you could say, okay, May is going to be our mental health month or something. Mm -hmm. And through the course of May, we're going to do all these different challenges. Um, maybe there's, you know, just once a week, we're all going to take 10 minutes to journal. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to do a meditation. You can find lots of free meditations on YouTube. Um, Cascade Public Health has an initiative called the People Project um, that I, I Bailey partnered with last year. Mm -hmm. And that was all about like positive mental health. So I know that they've got tons of resources too mm -hmm. in this community. Um, and I, I just think the more that you, again, if you don't have those financial resources, I get that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's definitely a challenge, but I think there's ways to do things that don't cost money mm -hmm. that are still showing your people that you care. Yeah. And I think that you're just giving me ideas. Like it's all about being creative too. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to, that's exciting. It's, I mean, yeah. I'm, a, and it's not exciting for everybody. So you right. Remember that. <laughs> but I love like the exciting change and the newness and like 
that's what makes me want to come to work every day when I know that there's someone planning something exciting or that cares yeah. about my well-being or my total wellness that's going to make me stay because I know that they care and I think that's what it comes down to is just showing that you care and like you said that creativeness is not for everyone no. some people are really content with just the mm-hmm. I do what I do and, and I don't need anything extra and that's fine but again I, I think when you give people options of maybe you do this challenge and you mm-hmm. you love that maybe that's not what your choice is and, and that's fine too mm-hmm. um but I think just the more that you show it the more that at least people are aware that it's out there mm-hmm. and that someone does care about them whether or not they they want to open up their mm-hmm. you know they, they want to open up to that person um I think when you just show that you care that that's a such a good starting point of you know building up that relationship and that trust mm-hmm. with that person and I think we can all admit when you have a really close relationship with someone at work, like a, a manager that you feel trusted by and you can trust that person, you might second guess before, you know, deciding to leave because you, you built that up. And I think when you have that relationship, if you are feeling unhappy in your role, mm-hmm. you are so much more likely to be able to talk about it when you trust someone. I mean, there's been times where I haven't necessarily been happy in my job or maybe been questioning what the heck I'm doing with mm-hmm. my life. But because I've had leaders on in the team that I've been able to go to and just say, hey, can, can we have a conversation? This is what's going through my head. Mm-hmm. And, and every time I leave that conversation, I know that that person cares about me and that they're going to help me figure out whatever is going on. And I have never been like automatically I'm going to start looking for other jobs because this one aspect of my job I don't like. Mm-hmm. I've been able to talk about it with that trusted leader and come to either a conclusion or a solution or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just that continued dialogue and knowing that mm-hmm. someone is there to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really is. And we talked about it in all of our podcasts, it just goes back to caring. It mm-hmm. really does. And like, there's nothing else. And you care before the person even starts working with you, I think is yeah. a really big point. So yeah, I love that. Okay, well, I have kind of a one, two more questions for you. But my one question I have is, you know, we talk a lot about burnout mm-hmm. and maybe you kind of touched on it a bit but right now that's a huge reason people are leaving their jobs because they're burnt out and I know that comes from working from home I know there's a lot of different aspects of that but and I know you talked about the career conversations and the lifestyle spent lifestyle spending account and stuff like that but what is I Bailey doing or maybe just in your perspective like what should companies be doing to help their employees prevent burnout and stay engaged that's a good question I know it's a big one um, I think I'll start on a small level personally. I think burnout affects everyone so differently, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. what is going to burn me out? It probably isn't what's going to burn someone else out. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes to that transparency too, between you and, and whoever you work with or your manager of, of having those open conversations and recognizing what is getting me to that burnout level. Is it a part of my job that I'm not enjoying? Is it, I don't know enough about a certain subject that I think I'm supposed to know so that I'm having to work double in order to make up for that. Um, is it that I'm not feeling challenged, right? Like I think burnout can come from not feeling challenged and you're just going through the motions every single day and you don't feel like you have creativeness in your job or you're, you're not using your skills in the right way. And so I, I think when it comes to that, you have to kind of start with yourself um, and I'll, I'll go the opposite way with companies. But I think personally, 
I, again, I think each of us have to recognize like, what is it about what we do that is causing us to feel that way? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think part of that comes with, again, and like you mentioned, working from home is, is a big part of that. I think during COVID, when people were forced to work from home, you either went home and you loved it or you went home and you hated it. Mm-hmm. There might be some people down that middle line, but I, I would be very surprised to see the numbers on that. Mm-hmm. And I think what the people that you know decided that they wanted to work from home, it, and I'm one of them, right? Like I, I decided to move my home office and, and I think I love it still every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely times where if I'm at home, it's very easy to log into my computer at night or, mm-hmm. oh, like I'm at home so I can eat my lunch at my desk because I don't need to go run errands or do anything else. And I think because it's it's all the same space, maybe mm-hmm. we we feel that draw to our, our computers, our technology a little bit more. And, and that burnout's going to come from that of, of not getting that separation. So something we talked about as a team a lot, especially for the people on our team, just as a whole HR team, mm-hmm. um, the people that maybe need that extra separation is something I've done is on my calendar at eight to eight to nine, mm-hmm. noon to one and four to five, I have blocked in my calendar. And that's to help mm-hmm. me make sure that I've got set times. Like my eight to nine, I'm normally working, I'm checking my emails, mm-hmm. but that's making sure that I don't have a meeting from eight to nine mm-hmm. so that I have that time to start my day by getting centered and getting my emails answered from the day before that noon to one, making sure that I, I take that time for lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's days where I maybe have a meeting that goes a little bit late, or I do have a lot that I have to catch up on, mm-hmm. but it's at least giving me that set time that, nope, I am turning my computer mm-hmm. on, you know, on the screen, I'm, I'm going to get up, I'm going to walk mm-hmm. away. Thankfully I have a dog at home that, that forces me to get yeah. up at lunchtime most of the time, but it is so nice to have that time, whether it's going for a walk outside mm-hmm. or just going to my kitchen and making a lunch and making sure that like I sit at my table to eat my lunch and whether it's, you know, scrolling through social media or maybe it's reading a book or mm-hmm. staring out the window at the sunshine, whatever it might be, that separation, I think from work to a, a break, a mind break, mm-hmm. a lot of the times I come back from that and I have a clear mind and I'm able to focus again. Um, and that four to five, again, making sure that I can end my day on a good note and wrapping up things so that I don't feel that need to continue working into the night. And I can have that time with my family mm-hmm. or if I have other things going on. Um, and so I think companies, when it comes to burnout, I, I think it has to start at the top. And that's so difficult because as you become a manager, I mean, a lot of the times we've got a thousand things on our plate, right? And I'm sure the further it gets up in the company, it, it's just more and more things that you have to think about. But as leaders, we need to demonstrate that burnout's not supposed to happen. Like we shouldn't be burning out. We should be trying to be proactive in this so that we don't get to that point. Um, and so what can we be doing to set that example for people? Again, like making sure that people are blocking time on their calendars or PTO, right? Like, I think there's a lot of stigma behind taking PTO where mm-hmm. I can remember when I first started and I was what I, when I graduated, like 23 or 24 mm-hmm. years old. And I was going on a trip to Vegas with my best friend. Mm-hmm. We were just going for fun. And I had told my, my manager at the time, don't worry, I'll bring my computer. Like I can log in in the morning because mm-hmm. I'm an early riser and she's not. And my manager just kind of looked at me and was like, you're going to bring your computer into <laughs> Vegas. Like, no, go and enjoy mm-hmm. the sunshine 
take that time away. Like that's what PTO is for. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I like have remembered that ever since that day. So now if, if my team is, is telling me they're going on PTO, I'm like, great, leave your computer mm-hmm. at home. Don't check your emails. Like, we'll see you when you get back and go mm-hmm. enjoy your time with whatever you're doing. Or maybe you need a day to just stay home. Awesome. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. But don't open your computer because that is ruining that time. And you need mm-hmm. that time to rejuvenate. Yeah, like, oh, sure. yeah. Yes. like a weekend mm-hmm. is not enough as much as we all love it. We need some of that extra time every once in a while. And so mm-hmm. I think it's little things like that start that process. But then from there, it's it's just ongoing conversations and recognizing when people are at their limits, when they're at their capacity. And if they're at that point, what can we be doing to help them overcome that? Whether it's shifting job responsibilities or again, having a dialogue about what they're doing and laying that all out on paper or whatever it might be, but just to figure out what are the areas that you can cut back. Mm-hmm. I know I got there this summer where I was doing a thousand different things, work and personal life. And I, I kind of had a moment with my manager where I just like went into her office and kind of had a breakdown. And she like was like, all right, like, let's lay it out. What mm-hmm. can we take off your plate? What can I do to help you in this moment mm-hmm. and going forward? And if it's conversations that she had to have, she was happy to do that. If it was things that like, I just needed to spill and mm-hmm. she was just there to listen. I, I think we have to do a better job of just listening to our people and giving them that space to let it out. And then also taking action when action needs to be taken. I love that. And I think it's just, it's just so interesting. And it's so important for it matters to remember to set good boundaries, because I just think of, there was one country and I don't know what, I just read something about this, but some country over like the weekend or something made a law that it was illegal for managers to contact their employees after call and I'm just like yes. okay cool like we're getting yes. there we're getting there and I think that's a huge leap to yes. say that but I think that's the step in the right direction so. I love boundaries I'm all about I, know, you are. I, I think it's so important yeah to set mm-hmm. those things in place and just have those conversations to figure out like everyone's boundaries are going to be different mm-hmm. too and just knowing that yeah they're in place so that we can all hopefully enjoy our jobs as much as possible mm-hmm. and we spend a lot of hours there so yeah. we need to enjoy it always you're right well Carrie, i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the work redefined podcast you have brought such good insight about recruiting what that looks like at the college level even like down to the high school but also higher level and i think that just has some great points about recruiting but then also how to keep them because that's really important so um, yeah, if you have any last thoughts or any last ideas, I just appreciate, yeah, you guys having me on and I love what you guys are doing here. I think it's so important that these conversations are being had. So kudos to you, um, for, for leading these conversations and, and thanks again for having me. Yeah, yeah we'll include Carrie's, um, contact information and her LinkedIn profile in our show notes and some of the ideas that we talked about today. So thanks, Carrie. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you.